Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Everyone knows what it feels like to run out of time. You end up rushing and forgetting and something falls by the wayside. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that you don't want to be caught unprepared when Jesus returns. The world will do everything to distract you from what's at stake, but you want to be ready when that trumpet sounds. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 12, 2023. Why is it that... Our focus, our hope, our time, our energy, our investment, we fix our eyes on these things down here that are temporary at the expanse of that which is eternal. So not only does this have the much needed effect of getting our eyes on eternity, it has the effect of reaching the lost for eternity. Doubtless you're familiar with that Mark Twain quote, which I fully disagree, vehemently disagree with. You can be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. It's the opposite that's true. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will be. Why? Because as we just read, your eyes are fixed on eternity. So now everything in this life is viewed through the lens of eternity. And that has a way of really prioritizing your life, how you spend your time, your resources, your energy. The truth of the matter is, when we fix our eyes of faith on what is unseen in the future, we'll have an eternal hope in the present. That's why being heavenly minded is of such earthly good. One night at dinner, a man who had spent many summers in Maine fascinated his companions by telling of his experiences in a little town named Flagstaff. The town was to be flooded as part of a large lake for which a dam was being built. In the months before it was to be flooded, all improvements and repairs in the whole town were stopped. What was the use of painting a house if it were to be covered with water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole village was to be wiped out? So, week by week, the whole town became more and more run down and in a depressing state of disrepair and had gone from bad to worse. Then he added, by way of explanation. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no hope 
in the present. Now stay with me. To have no future hope in this world presently has the propensity to redirect our hope to the future eternally vis-a-vis Bible prophecy. And here's how I get there. When I know that suddenly, unexpectedly, the trumpet could sound. I hope I'm not in the bathroom to say it. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Harpazo in the Greek, rapturous in the Latin, raptured up. Paul writing to the Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 and 52 fills in a couple of blanks with specificity that it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, not a blink. It's going to be so fast. And we're going to put off corruptible, these bodies, that alone. And we're going to put on incorruptible, our glorified bodies. And then we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and all of our loved ones that died in Christ prior. They get their new bodies. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in spirit, but they get their new bodies at the rapture. I'm going to see my daughter Noelle again. I'm going to see my mommy again. I'm hoping and believing by faith I'll see my dad too, and the many others. But that's my hope. See, I I have that to look forward to. Now, wouldn't it stand to reason that when you have that to look forward to, it changes everything that you do down here because of what awaits you up there? So Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? The glorious appearing, not coming, appearing rapture of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Uh, One quick comment on this before we move on to 1 John again. Never think when you read powerful promises like this here in Titus about our blessed hope, that it carries with it the idea of, I sure hope. No. No, it's not that. It's more like this. It's not the blessed hope. It's our only hope. This is our only hope. The only way we're getting out of this deal if I can say it that way. He's our only hope. The glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And notice the impact that this has. 
It brings about purity, righteousness. Simply put, when you live your life like this, it has this much needed effect of getting your affairs in order, so you're prepared, because now it's expected. You'll forgive the comparison, but when you go into the doctor's office and they give you the bad news that, hey, this is terminal and you better get your affairs in order because you don't have much time, doesn't that change everything? All of a sudden those things that you thought were important are no longer important anymore. And things that were not necessarily important are very important now. You're going to get your affairs in order. Well, that's in the spiritual sense. This purifying of oneself. It's not that we clean ourselves up. No, it's the Holy Spirit purifying us from the inside out. This is what John said, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. I like that, lavished. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Don't take it personal. Jesus said, hey, by the way, they're going to hate your guts. Don't take it personal. It's because they hate me and you're associated with me. Dear friends, verse 2, John, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, there's that word again, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then He says this, verse 3, Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Translated, He gets His affairs in order. He knows He doesn't have much time. Romans 13, beginning in verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Why? Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Interesting, that would come up and rise to the level of being on the same list as something as horrific as sexual immorality and orgies and drunkenness, striving and divisions and dissension and jealousy and covetousness and gossip and it's on the same level. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. First Peter, again, chapter 4, verse 7. The end, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert 
and of sober mind. There's the disciplined mind again, so that you may pray. Okay. Here we are at the end, and you'd never know it. Again, I'm just going to be very candid with you. This is a great struggle of mine personally, especially when pastors who I, in some cases, know and have been greatly blessed by over the years with their teaching, fabulous teachers of God's Word. But if I listened to one of their teachings, I would never know that anything happened. I would never, and it doesn't help when they will say almost verbatim something like this, we might have another 50 years. Oh, what? No! And then I turn them off. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're talking about what you shouldn't be talking about, and you're not talking about what you should be talking about. Why are you talking about the pastor friends that you and I know that are dead now? Oh, nobody wants to talk. Let's not ruffle any feathers. No, ruffle them. Let's not rock the boat. No, rock the boat. By the way, the boat's already been rocked. So here, here we are, we're at the end, and you'd never know. Why? Because it looks like everybody's like, okay, they're living their lives, business as usual. Question, why? Answer, it's horrifying. The answer to why is because the gospel of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ is not preached. And by gospel I mean the crucifixion, burial, resurrection on the third day, and the rapture of the church, which can happen any day. That's why the gospel is not being preached. Because see, the power of the gospel, when preached, will change people's lives. And you bring back to his rightful place the person of Jesus Christ, who becomes now central, instead of off to the periphery. Because you see, you cannot separate the return of Jesus Christ from the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the return of Jesus Christ is good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That'd be like trying to separate, I'll try this one, Simon from Noodles. Did that work? Because, you know, on the mainland it was spaghetti from noodles. You can't, it's not spaghetti anymore. Listen, if you've got a better illustration, let me know afterwards. I'll certainly incorporate it. So again, if I sound angry, it's because there is a righteous anger. No wonder people don't have hope. No wonder people are placing their hope in this world because they're not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ about the next. It's evidenced by articles like this one from the Christian Post, 
published last Sunday titled, Biblical Worldview Much Closer to Extinction After COVID-19 Lockdowns. Listen to this. I'm just going to quote a portion of it. The vast majority of Americans, 96%, do not hold to a biblical worldview following the COVID-19 lockdowns, according to a new survey. Americans tinkered with many things during the three lockdown years, from home improvement projects to baking sourdough bread. But improving their worldview apparently was not one of them. A biblical worldview, the survey said, is one in which the entirety, entirety of a person's ideas about all dimensions of life and eternity are based on biblical principles and commands. So if I'm assessing this correctly, that means that only 4% 4% still hold to this biblical worldview as it's defined here. If you think about it, this is the irony of ironies. Teaching Bible prophecy about the end is conspicuously absent at the end at a time when it's needed most. Bible prophecy tells us what the world will be like in the end, but with the deafening silence, no one believes it is the end. It's chiefly for this reason that over the last three years I've shouted from the rooftop the numerous and voluminous Bible prophecies that speak to this being how it ends, when it ends, and the way it ends. Eh. Okay, pastor, what if you're wrong? Well, two things. First, I will humble myself and ask for forgiveness if I'm wrong. And don't take this the wrong way. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, you, just, you just took that the wrong way. How can you be so sure? Well, the reason I can be so sure is because I know the Word of God and the God of the Word, and over one-third of the Word is Bible prophecy that foretells the first coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture, and then the second coming of Jesus Christ. So because I know the Word, and by the way, I hate to use this cliché, but it's very true. Bible prophecy is not to scare us, but to prepare us. Amen. So I've been studying Bible prophecy for, I won't tell you how long. been walking with the Lord for over 40 years, and I've always had a love for Bible prophecy. I've always been a student of Bible prophecy, and then as God called me in the ministry, I started teaching Bible prophecy. I say that to say this. I kind of know a thing or two about Bible prophets. I'm not an expert. I don't want to ever come off like that. I, I don't really take well to being called Bible prophecy expert. Where? <laughs> Me? No. I just, like you, I just, I know what Bible prophecy 
says, and why? Why is one-third of the word prophecy? Because, think this through with me, God wants us to know. Why does God want us to know? Because He wants us to be ready, so that we're not caught off guard. So it's not unexpected. We're fully expecting it, prepared for it, watching for it. How about this one? Paul to Timothy, longing for it. And when you know how God has done everything and stopped at nothing to describe for us with precision, accuracy, and specificity the conditions of the world at the time of the end, you cannot. You can try, but you cannot read the Word of God and Bible prophecy in the Word of God and come away with this notion that, hey, we got time. You really think that? Oh, but then here's what happens. And just bear with me again. I'm just sharing my, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? It is such a struggle for me, because they are so quick and so good at coming back at us with something like this. Oh, you've gotten this. Well, what are you going to do? Just sit on your hands and do nothing until the rapture? <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. Um, actually, it's the opposite that's true. If I truly believe that the rapture could happen at any time, that's a game changer, man. All of a sudden now, the way I see people is different. Because I'm looking at that person, whereas before, I would look at them with a disdain. I've repented. <laughs> but now I look at them as an opportunity, because they need Jesus. One of the things that has really changed in my heart, as the Lord has done a profoundly deep work in my heart towards other people, is when I see them through the lens of eternity and the nearness of the rapture, I imagine, and this is, this is a good thing to do, I imagine them not being saved when that trumpet sounds and being left behind. And they will enter into the most horrific seven years of human history. And then all of a sudden I go from being angry at them to feeling sorry for them and wanting to pray for them. It just changes everything. So the next time somebody tries to rub your face in this whole thing, uh, well then you're just going to do nothing. We're supposed to occupy till he comes. They are misquoting that parable, by the way. We talked about it. I won't go into it in the interest of time. But that particular parable, different than the others, is the mina. And every one of the servants got the same exact amount, one. It's the gospel. It's not the worldly mammon. It's not the resources, your talents, your... No, it's the gospel. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org. 
and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's J-D-F-A-R-A-G dot O-R-G. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.